Hello, fellow songwriters, and welcome to the How Songs Are Made podcast, where we talk to notable artists about their songwriting process. I'm your host, Trey Xavier, and today we're going to be talking to my friend Charlotte Wessels about how she writes songs. Today's episode is sponsored by the amazing DistroKid. People ask me what DistroKid is and why do you need it? That's uh, probably the first thing that you're going to want to know. It's pretty simple. You've got music. How do you get it on all those places that people listen to it? You're like, how does this music even get to Spotify, iTunes, Deezer, Tidal? And that's with DistroKid. They're the best way to get your music onto the internet. And it's basically independent distribution. You don't have to worry about any of the complex distribution stuff that, uh, you know, that you'd have to have a label and all these people. You don't need any of that. You put your music up there and it goes up and people can listen to it. It's amazing. And I know this because I literally just uploaded something yesterday for release next month. More on that later. But it's the best way to get your music on the internet and you can get 7% off your first year with the special link in the description. Now, my guest today is one of my favorite songwriters that I've had the pleasure of collaborating with. Her new album, Tales from Six Feet Under, Volume 2, drops October 7th. You may also know her as the former singer of the band Delane. Please give a warm welcome to my guest, Charlotte Wessels. Hi, Trey. I'm so happy to be here. Hi. I'm so happy to have you. Thanks. As I'm, I hope all the people watching at home, hello. Welcome to the live stream. So how are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm... Uh excited to dive into this and uh yeah i've been lucky enough to write a song with you that's um i guess you're the only the i think second maybe third guest that i've um, been able to do that with and uh last year for metal month we did one of these just crazy random uh drum groove things and I mean, I knew that you were good. I, I've always liked your music so much. But the thing that you said back after I sent you just that drum track, I was like, what just happened? How did this go from just a bunch of drums into, into this like incredible song? I was, I was so happy to work on that. And it was so easy for me because after you sent it back, all I had to do was like add some guitars to it. I was like, it was already a song. It was my job was just to not ruin it. No, that's not true. But I, I mean, it was very rough what I sent. It was a great collaboration. It was so much fun. I've never done like one of those rolling the dice to get. Well, first of all, like the drum tracks, and then uh, the patron jump patrons jumped in for oh, yeah. song topics. That was also one of the things because I'd never really out outsource that you know it's a little scary yeah, yeah yeah but it was a great challenge and uh i mean i think that yeah the topic was the world running out of wine that's a very terrifying idea so that was serious yeah that, that was plenty to go with uh, yeah <laughs> it was a lot of fun it was almost like vegetables or something wasn't it wasn't that like the next runner? <laughs> I put some serious ones in there because there were more suggestions than numbers on the die. So I was like, I still have to make this like a good challenge for myself. So I, I put some wild cards in there. I think broccoli. broccoli. Broccoli was one of them as well. Yeah. It would have been a much different vibe. It would have been a much different vibe. But I think that I, I did get an idea for a song about broccoli back then. Um, and I think, I think I thought about wanting to do something with that at one point. I don't remember what it was, but it was some clever wordplay on broccoli where I thought I would have never thought of that if someone hadn't given that as a prompt. Yeah, that was also like a journey of discovery that that sort of thing can can be really cool too. Yeah. I love a prompt. Yeah. You think you always have material or like what you want to write about and then all of a sudden somebody's like, yeah, but what if you did this? Yeah. Oh yeah, I think I remember. So I thought with the broccoli that if it would land on broccoli, I thought that it would be like a really vengeful breakup song 
where you end up with like uh, wishing that person a lot of things and then a lot of terrible things, but then you do wish them well. So in the end, you hope they stay healthy. You hope they do good and you hope they eat their broccoli. I think it was something <laughs> like that. Somewhere in the multiverse, there's a version of Charlotte who wrote that song. I Yeah, I, I had like I had like a chorus ready to go, but it was, yeah, but, but yeah. But Dang. these well, were maybe, these were the two that time. I was most excited about. So I'm I'm glad that it landed on the red wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, a- as am I. But uh, I I also am. Maybe someday we should just do the broccoli song just for funsies. Yeah, yeah, we should. Maybe we totally Tales should. from Six Feet Under Volume Three will have knows? a song. Have yeah. the broccoli song. So that brings me to the main question, the big question, because really on this podcast there's only one question. All the others are follow-ups. And that is, what is your songwriting process? And how has it changed over time? I guess probably the most obvious um, thing would be to contrast how you do it now as a solo artist to previously with bands you've been in. That's what I would most like to hear about personally. Yeah, well, it's definitely because, of course, I knew the question was coming. So (laughs) (laughs) I I thought about it a little bit, but I I mainly came to the conclusion that it has, I mean, it has changed a tremendous amount, like over the past two years, mostly. And I also think that I'm still very much in the process of changing it. But one constant that has always been there, whether it is like writing something now where I know that I'll be doing like the full production or whether it is like more into a like group songwriting session is that for me it usually starts with uh, just like a lyric and melody hook and I remember when I started writing songs I always thought that that was that was kind of the only thing that I was writing but then often when I when I brought it to like whoever I was collaborating with at that point (laughs) I did always have like very specific chords in mind with them but I played clarinet which is not you know a great instrument to play if you want to sing and then play along to your own singing it's like very hard to sing and play the clarinet at the same time uh, I've discovered it's not like I haven't (laughs) tried but it's it's very hard so I would often notice that I did in fact like have have chords in mind to go with with the melody and with the words and that's why kind of I tried to um at least you know figure out some chords on uh the piano anyway just to um uh to communicate the idea better yeah when like within like a band context that was up until like the last few years, that was was usually what I would do. Like I had a big pile of recordings on my phone <laughs> of, you know, uh, uh, lyrical ideas with, with melodies. And then usually I would write out the, mel- uh, the, the lyrics to the entire song. Like I had notebooks filled with like basically the full song and song song structure also often like but I mean that was of course the most lucky cases sometimes it would also just be a verse and like or like a verse and one chorus yeah it didn't really matter how much was there like whether it was like a uh, whether it was like a verse and a chorus or like a strong hook or something and then everyone would kind of come from their own angle and we, we would work with that and especially within the lane like we wrote most of the songs uh, the three of us, myself, Martijn, and uh, Gus, Gus Eikens. Um, and then you would have like the, the keys angle, the guitar angle, and the vocal angle. So that would usually work work pretty well in the songwriting stage. Um, but for me, it also worked the other way around if I get an instrumental idea and then just fill in the vocals to that. I really enjoy doing that, but for me, that's a very kind of different vibe than getting hit by like this stroke of like it feels more like... Um, the songs can turn out just as dear to me and just as personal, but that usually takes a lot longer time if it's something that you get and then you have to figure out what you're going to do to that than if it's something that, you know, you had an idea for and then you kind of see it grow from there. But it would often, like within a band, it would often work like that as well, that I would uh, fill in on musical parts that were already there. And yeah, now it's just, uh, now it's very different because now, I don't have as much uh, I don't have as much ideas on my phones or in notebooks anymore because I spent the last two years here. So whenever I had an idea, I was just going to record it. On the, uh, you recorded on the biggest phone of all. And the biggest phone Cubase. of all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
And that's that's a very different way of working, I guess. And then also now, of course, the rest of the instrumentations play, play a, a much bigger role much sooner in the process for me because often I will I will usually write the songs chronologically and I used to when I started out I used to write the vocal lines chronologically but then everything else had to still be there and now I do like to get all of the parts in one go so if I write a verse I will write the verse kind of including everything or at least like a good idea of everything and then just continue from there and often like I more often start with an intro and finish with an outro now than back when it was just like uh here is like one piece of the entire thing so that's very different actually there's a lot of things that are a lot of different like I am already rambling and we're only a few minutes in but it's oh this is this is what the podcast is (laughs) ramble away I mean, yeah. I'm just I I actually I have a little note at the top of every little uh note that I have for the podcast and it just says shut the fuck up and let them talk. <laughs> 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 They're not here for me. <laughs> I'm not here for me. <laughs> this is all gold. Keep it keep it coming. No, but yeah, so it it has changed tremendously because for the songs in band context like it really differs like some for some songs I feel um you know, uh, like everyone has a different input and in one song uh, my my input is bigger and in the other input, you know, someone else's input is bigger. So, of course, I'm telling this from my own perspective now, but that's not to say that it worked like that for all of the songs. But now it definitely does work like that for all of the songs because these last two albums were uh, basically... Um, yeah, I did have I did have some guest spots on them. Like I had some parts where I felt like I really need to replace these plugins, or I actually <laughs> have time to replace these plugins. Yeah, otherwise, for the most part, it was all made down here within the time span of a month. So it was also made like very fast, very spontaneous, and uh, yeah, with no real rooms for revisions or rearrangements or rewrites, which is also something that used to be very different before because. You know, within a band context, whether that was with Delane, but also, for example, a side uh, project Phantasma that I've done, that was very much about really continuing until you feel like it's, it is the absolute best that it can be, you know, really about polishing the things and really about trying to make it a bigger and better every time. And this is something that I really enjoy doing. But I kind of started the Patreon back then because I started the Patreon and the song of the month. Like I do a song every month on my Patreon. Uh, I started doing that as kind of a balance to the process that I had with the band because back then I was still in the band. And there, of course, one thing that kind of frustrated me about that way of songwriting was that sometimes it would take a very long time from the initial spark of inspiration until the moment that it that the song is released so you would you would write a, a song with a certain feeling and by the time the song is out you don't sometimes you wouldn't remember what the feeling was about or you write something about something that is on the news and is relevant now and then by the time it gets released it's not so much anymore so i wanted to do something where it was really like i write this song today i put it i put it online tonight which i still don't do but it's it's much more like that now and yeah i wanted i wanted something to balance out that really elaborate way of songwriting with something that was more spontaneous and 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 quicker but now i'm only doing the very spontaneous very quick thing and now i kind of want to take my time for some songs more against it's always a game of balancing for me and that's where i said like how do i write my songs now i'm actually i'm asking myself that question like almost every day like is how i do it now is that the way that i want to do it um do i want to change it do i want to take more time do i want to um because in this way, like doing everything myself, because I never, the only thing that I uh, actually produced or, or, or like the part that on the Delane albums, I, re- I, re- I did record my own vocals for most of the last two records, but I never recorded any of the instrumentations. Like that was, that was never my work. Like I was involved in the songwriting process, but it was never me actually putting that in, you know. So I feel like this part of songwriting, I've, I've only been doing for two years so <laughs> I'm also still finding out every day when I'm like working, I'm finding out like, 
shortcuts for things that I've been doing like in ridiculously stupid ways where it was like, oh, no way. Was it actually that easy to do this? Uh. I can't tell you how many times I've done the same the same thing. And you think yeah. of all the time that you could, you'll never get back that you could have. Uh. Yeah. Sometimes it kind of feels like inventing the wheel, you know, where you're like, I could also just. Yeah. But um, that's very much it's very much a work in work in progress i feel very much still finding out maybe you could walk us through an example from the new album maybe um the one you did with timo that just dropped um oh my god human to human to ruin was it name of it went right out of my brain no the uh, the acoustic one i'm sorry oh the acoustic against all odds against all odds yes i was very much struck by that one i I like it a, a lot oh thanks so much that was that was a very easy one to write, actually. Like, so this was one where, first of all, I worked with like a, an acoustic guitar plugin, and I kind of found like. Um, so this is this is one where it was really guided just by like the the words and the melody again, because I kind of had that that story that I wanted to tell, and once I kind of found the right chords. And then first I, I kind of filled that in with the plugin and then I thought, oh, this actually sounds like it could be like a really small song with just the acoustic guitar. So I asked Timo to actually play those guitars because I feel I felt like if this is just going to be acoustic guitars and singing, then then it has to be real acoustic guitars. And I think that a lot of purists who listen to my music think that uh, a lot more elements actually need to be real elements. But I write everything in a month. <laughs> Do you remember which line that you wrote was the first one for the song that was like the Inception lyric? Oh, uh, yes, I do. It's a bit embarrassing. So this was not chronologically. So there's this uh, there's this line in this 80s movie. There's this this movie Heathers. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like Mean Girls of the 80s. Okay. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. But with Pack 2 sides and Winona Ryder and it's it's fun, but there's this one uh, sentence in there where where one of the mean girls, uh, like someone says something, and it's and she takes offense, and she's like, "Oh well, fuck me gently with a chainsaw." <laughs> and then I was like, Whoa. "Come take my hand and feed me gently to the wolf, shackle me sweetly down the deep side of the pool." I was like, "It's just it's just fun to tell something." someone to do like something horrible but please do it in a kind and loving way <laughs> that was that was the sentence that kind of inspired like that verse and then I was like yeah and then I was like what what am I singing about when I'm singing this and yeah then this this whole kind of story about doing things that you're sh not entirely sure whether you should do them but um you, you know that you'll keep coming back to it no matter what. And then it's like, okay, if we're going to go down, then please, let's go. Let's go down gently, you know. And it's uh, that's how the idea from a lyrical point of view kind of started. And I remember that my first name for the first draft was Two Country. So it's I, was, I wasn't entirely sure about the idea when I first started it. But yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any reason to feel any kind of judgment about where you get inspiration for a great idea from personally because <laughs> even like really shitty ideas sometimes lead to really great ones and really really good inspirations can lead to very shitty ideas too yeah it can go the other yeah. way <laughs> but so it doesn't like I love that you took that that you heard that line and you took like the essence of it the this idea of like, like you said, asking somebody to do something horrible, but so, but do it sweetly. The contrast there, mm -hmm. you didn't put the line in the song, just a, just like kind of like. No, it actually has nothing to do with the song, but I just was inspired by that line. Yeah. Right. But the idea of it, of the other things is the same. You, you expanded that idea and the, it's the transferability of the idea that's to me is so cool that you can do that in a song if you hadn't told us this story right now nobody in a million years would probably make the connection and if they did they'd probably be like oh my gosh heathers no heathers <laughs> is that heathers <laughs> yeah. that's really cool to me once you've so once you've got that that kind of a thing how do you go about structuring out the song what did you do from the inception of those few lines 
to build it out into an entire song. I feel like the classic uh, song structure is pretty heavily embedded into like I'm pretty much a verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus transpose chorus kind of girl it's also because I kind of don't really think about doing that but I do I also feel it's really easy for me to let that go as well because I know that if I uh, if I don't put like any effort into it uh, that I will probably do something logical there. But like this song too, it has like a little pre-verse or a B chorus that never returns. I don't know how you want to call it, but this is also like, it's a very normally structured song, but still there's a weird little thingy in there. Yeah, I, how do I do that? Well, this one is so much driven by by the lyrics and the melodies that what I will often do is if I don't know how to continue, uh, this may sound silly, but I will just play whatever I have and stop it and continue singing and see where it goes. I do exactly that. There's not That's not silly in the slightest. Good. <laughs> At least the two of us, if it's weird, we both do it. Yeah. Um, that's good to know in it together. So yeah, and, and usually if I already have an idea of what the lyrics should be or what they should be, kind of, then you also already know kind of the words that you're going to hum because I don't really use placeholder lyrics with these songs now. I used to do that a lot when I would write in a team, for example. Well, if we would write all together and, and for example, the music would go faster than I could think of like a melody and the lyrics, then I would just, you know, uh, focus on the melody and have some some dummy lyrics. And then I was like, I'll get to that. Just Ozzy Osbourne it. Yeah, you know, just in order to keep up with the process. Or, you know, if it's like uh, a, an instrumental track that you get and you first kind of want to figure out what will fit or what will what will feel good in terms of, you know, uh, register, vocally, like those are kind of the, those are kind of the scenario in which it makes total sense to have like dummy lyrics. But in these songs that I'm kind of shaping as I'm, go I'm not going to go to a register that is not nice most of the time. I've done that two times with my own tracks and I'm disappointed in myself for it now because now I've planned a live show and I hate myself. So, <laughs> but yeah, so normally I will just kind of go to what's natural anyway. So I don't really have to write melodies faster than I write lyrics. So yeah, and then it, it usually, yeah, it continues like that chronologically. And the only thing that, I'll, that I might not do chronologically is I do every now and then uh, copy paste like a verse where I will be like, I want to get like the complete song structure before I fill in the second verse. But usually, usually second verses are... Every now and then you have a situation where you've told everything you wanted to say in like a verse, a chorus and a bridge. And then it's like, oh, I still had that second verse. And then you have to make it meaningful. But most of the time, the second verse is kind of logical, I feel. Like I have an idea of what a second verse should do generally speaking. Okay, so like you wrote the first verse super inspired and felt and were really feeling it. And then by the time you get to the second verse, you're like, oh crap, I need a second verse. So you're really thinking about it. Yeah, usually the second verse is the thinking verse. Let's see, what is this? So in the case of against all odds... All is as green as grass and looking back today, I understand. Yeah, so you kind of paint the picture and the scenario of we were all young and stupid. And then... Oh yeah, and then the, yeah, and then the second verse just gets dramatic, and and but the thing is, you never, <laughs> I never really tell what's happened because in the first verse is, oh my god, we were so stupid, and then in the and and then the second verse goes to each part of me that once was us is fading. So you so you you already completely skipped the part where, so it's like you know that somewhere in between the first and the second chorus things went to shit, but you don't exactly say what and I usually don't say exactly what but just describe the feeling because I, I well because a I don't want the songs to be about me necessarily and I think that when you when you kind of write about a universal feeling it is just easier for people to relate to it and this is something that is usually something like most of the songs that I write they are very much it's very selfish <laughs> it is usually to get a certain feeling out but then kind of the last thing I want to do is like I don't want to explain exactly why or how I just want to make something where if people kind of 
if they're feeling the same thing, that it will make them feel better. Like that's kind of kind of the goal. And whether it is like a super depressing song and it makes them feel better because they hear it and they recognize it and they're like, oh, I'm not alone. That's nice. Or it is like a song that actually does have a positive twist to it where maybe I'm already kind of beyond like the deepest part of whatever it is and then they can see like oh well look they were there and now they're you know so that is usually the goal not necessarily for me to to say what's happening but more to make something that people can relate to and then it's usually better to not get too much into detail about what it is actually about or what is actually the thing that's happening or you know too much exposition can absolutely ruin anything a movie a, a <laughs> tv Tom show York. a song <laughs> Yeah, just like, yeah. I mean, I guess that's kind of literally what we do here is is a lot of exposition. But in general, like you uh, in a, in the song itself, if you just you're not going to like stop and be like, all right, so here's what happened in the middle bit. Yeah, when, no, no, you no, know, no. Tom and Jane and there's no. a baby involved. No, you don't want to like you just. Yeah, I think it's better to leave some mystery. I think so, too. On a more like. A logistical kind of a thing when you so when you'd written it you used this uh, acoustic guitar vst plugin and then you sent it off to timo did he play exactly the thing that you wrote with the same like picking pattern and articulation and all that or did you give him something with some like strummy chords and he kind of worked out the picking pattern or whatever the picking pattern pattern the picking pattern <laughs> that's a nice one to say 10 times in a row <laughs> is kind of similar uh but not exactly the same and he did some interesting things on the low end like he divided it into kind of three different parts uh, where now when it's playing it live it all has to become one part again of course good thing he's a wizard yeah if I'm, he is he is like but it made it sound really wide and open and it's a much bigger sound and the strumming pattern was yeah similar but not identical it's the same sort of thing he also did a thing on human to ruin for example and there it was like a completely different thing and it went from like a, a super sweet acoustic thingy to like this muse-ish chorusy guitar thingy guitar thingy it's I'm using the big words today which is something that i think i also uh i think with that one i also i also said like i think i think it sounds too sweet can you please do something different he actually spontaneously played it differently during one of the rehearsals because he is uh, joining me on stage as well during the upcoming live show as well as um, uh, Joey and Otto and Sophia, the new girl. But he's he's joining as well live and he played something. It was like, this could be li uh, nice for live. And that was after I put out this song on Patreon, but before I had to hand in the mixes for the album. So it's like, yeah, that is very cool for live. And also, please, can you replace my part <laughs> so that it sounds nicer on the record? Please, please. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was... Uh um that was that was a pretty pretty lucky lucky one uh for me like <laughs> you caught it you saw it flying through the air you were like give me that put it on the album give me that now <laughs> yes <laughs> that's great so that's how that one went that one was that one was uh that one was just his idea from the from the rehearsal um from the rehearsal room so like you're putting out these songs once a month on your patreon they get them first before the uh, the rest of the world, right? That's the um, one of the one of the many benefits of signing up for your Patreon. Would you say that there's any aspect of the feedback that you get from your patrons um, that you integrate into your mu music moving forward? I mean, you've now done how many total songs? Is it thirty? Thirty. Yes. Yes. And they're and they're all like pretty different or not entirely different from each other but they they each have a very unique flavor to them yeah we have like uh sometimes when i have like a very specific genre i do like a genre reveal party it's like a gender reveal party but like without the patriarchy and stuff without burning down a forest <laughs> yeah that happened in california no joke oh yeah that was not good but yeah they're they're all pretty different because i am thinking month by month rather than this has to fit together on an album with this and this and that song so i can basically just decide every month what i feel like doing and it's nice yeah um but how much how much uh influence or input from the patrons do you would you say you take 
for the direction of the songs or anything, if any at all. I'm a people pleaser. So I really value the feedback in the sense that, you know, you also get feedback on socials for a lot of things, but it's not always necessarily from people that um, got you back, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but for the patrons, it's very different because, you know, it's coming from people who kind of really want to be there and want to be part of the process. So it is really important to me. And whenever I get some criticism where I feel like it's not just like, oh, like, I don't like this song because I don't like this kind of songs. I mean, there's not a lot you can do about that. You can't please everyone. But um, I think I think I do take it to heart. But when I started the Patreon, it was basically to have like a place for... Because back then there was like <laughs> the band, which was kind of focused songwriting, writing, like we're doing this thing. And then I kind of wanted a place for like everything else. And now I'm just doing like everything else. So it's kind of... I think that people also kind of sign up for this... Like if I do like a song that is kind of like a symphonic metal song, then usually usually the responses are, are really excited about that. Sometimes I feel like when I've done a few like weird songs or songs that follow like a weird song structure, it doesn't even have to be like genre wise. But just if I do songs that I think people will consider weird and I do too many of them in a row, I ask people like I do ask people like are you ready for another weird one this month or should I should I should I try to work on something else first but like usually when I ask that and I don't know if if that's because people are just like I don't know but it, usually people get really excited about just do the weird ones I've also done like a, a poll where it's like I can't promise that I'll actually do it but you have anything that you'd prefer prefer me to do and like I think, well, let's say like the wild majority of the people who are there said, just do whatever the fuck you want to do. So so that's actually very nice. So yeah, I do really care about what they want me to do, but it seems like they want me to do what I want to do. So that's very nice. That's a good situation to be in. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it, it could potentially start a feedback loop. You and like, you know, you know, like the three Spider-Man <laughs> meme. Like, well, what do you want? No, what do you want? I want what, what you want. want. What I you want, want you want. Yeah. You, I want you to be happy. I want you... Okay, but... I want you to be happy. <laughs> Damn it. But yeah. really, that's a pretty ideal position because you get to do whatever you want and what you want is what they want and you're doing it for a job, basically. I mean, right? Like, it's... that's It's a full-time gig. Your yeah. gig. <laughs> it's your full-time gig. And basically, like, you have circumvented the traditional music industry almost entirely. Uh, you're on a record label on uh, Napalm, um, which is how this got set up. I've talked to your publicist a lot about a lot of different things, a lot of different bands. Um, but aside from that, you, you are direct to fan entirely, right? Yeah, and uh, the thing is that it makes working with whoever you want to work with a lot more... Like I step into that with a lot more confidence knowing that I won't need like a, a really big advance or something in order to make the music because I've kind of made it on a month by month basis. So with these two albums, once I decided that I didn't decide that I want this album until like a ridiculously short time ago. Like it was like, let's make it. OK, when does it need to be ready next week? OK, well, it was almost like that. So but it yeah, it gives me a lot of confidence to know that uh, I can I can do like the videos and these songs through the support of the Patreon. I don't know if that will be different once I decide to. I mean, of course, it it's not the most costly process when I can actually do anything aside from the mix and master because I don't do the mix and master myself. Uh, and the um, sometimes there's folks involved with like the artwork as well and then of course there's the there's the, the videos and stuff but like for the music itself like for the very song itself like I only outsource the mix and master so that is not the most costly part of everything so it might be different once I I want to make a more traditional album where I go into a studio and have all of those parts actually played by actual humans <laughs> in an in a in a studio that is not a basement or maybe it's also a basement there's probably more basement studios out there but we don't even have basements at all in california it's kind of annoying i was lucky to find this house with the basement because none of the other houses like in the street it's not a it's not a common thing this one i think it might have been a bit sketchy when it was first dug out and i think that you know a part of the street was actually not doing so well after it was but like the few owners before us they 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 patched it up real nice and we came here and i was like yes this is the place 
this is where it needs to happen. Every musician on earth, when they go house shopping, they're always looking for the studio room. Which the ones? Studio which room. ones it's gonna be? Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I, I love the vibe. Even just what I can see in this shot, I've seen pictures that you've posted as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's very important to have a good vibe, and you have nailed nailed it. And so I don't I don't know what to call that, but it looks awesome. It is so multifunctional too, because I don't know if you can tell, but there's like a softbox right there, and there's like a big screen there, so it doubled as like a photo video studio yesterday. And like all the band rehearsals, we've actually done all of the band rehearsals here because I got one of those Behringer X32s, and, oh, yeah. and we have like we all have our own in-ears and it's like super fancy to be able to to do all of that from here it's yeah it's amazing usually like there's a drum kit where the couch is now so that's that's cool dang it's not so cool for the neighbors but it's cool for me (laughs) they uh they're getting a preview that people some of your fans would pay good money for (laughs) they're getting a private concert and they don't even know it i mean i did i did invite them to the show because i thought you know if you get to hear us preparing for it then you also you also get to hear like the final result that's very sweet of you it's also because the game is like right it's like three blocks ahead like it's oh you're gonna get to walk there i am gonna get to walk there i mean yeah not counting gear and stuff but yeah it's it's very very close it's nice that is handy what is uh what's the the date for that that that's happening it is october 23rd at tivoli Freiburg in utrecht yeah and it's so that's also one of the things because i i decided that it was going to that there was going to be another album uh so now like this was the only show that we had when one album was released but of course you know covid COVID happened so there was no release party or whatever so now it's a double release show so this is the first time in my life that i'm uh rehearsing like uh, 20 plus shows or uh, like songs to be played in in one show. Like usually if you have a new album, you kind of feed new songs into the set, maybe by pairs or something. So you don't have too many new ones in one gig. And, you know, back when we started out with Delane, we did, we started with, oh, support show with like playing six, seven songs. But now it's like 20 plus songs. And it's not only songs that have never been uh, played live before, but it's also like in the beginning with rehearsing, it was also like the things that I played, how are we going to translate that to a band? Because there are some songs that... Like there are some songs where I I wrote the drums, for example, where it was like in Easy Drummer, for example, you have to tap to find. So you have this thing in your mind and you just go, I need something like this. And then you find something like it and then you adjust it. And then at one point you're happy. But then it's based on an actual person playing the drums. There's also a lot of songs where I just found like a bunch of cool drum like sounding sounds and I just drew them in MIDI or like tap them in until it sounded cool but I had no idea whether that was a drum part for someone with like six hands you know (laughs) the octopus yeah exactly so um so there were certain songs where I was like I'm pretty sure that this is a drummer drum part but then there were also songs where I was like I don't know what kind of monster this is like I don't know that's for that's for Mac to play (laughs) exactly Your, your best friend your best friend who fits in a bag mac yeah um yeah but then of course you do want to find uh and especially because all of the songs are so so different you do have a lot of decisions to make when you put like 20 20 of those songs into one one live set because it's going to be like you could put everything that kind of sounds electronic uh you could have mac play them but then you also want to establish like the band experience so there was a lot of uh, this song can do without that and we're going to make that uh, a band part and uh, of course like uh, uh, I wasn't the only one who was doing that because then you actually have the band with you like in in the rehearsal space still the the basement but <laughs> I'm talking about it like it's different rooms but it's still the same room <laughs> that's been a process too like going through all of these songs and finding like okay this we're going to do like that and this we're going to do like that and and this is going to sound cool with this part and also for uh, Sophia the keyboardist like it was a lot of figuring out for everyone because it wasn't necessarily you're going to play it with one keyboardist and one guitar player and one bassist and one drummer and one singer and multiple people who can sing too but the songs were not made necessarily with the idea of being performed live so yeah that was a new experience to go kind of through that phase of how are these songs going to be on on a stage that kind of gave a new angle to them the songs were born in that room 
they're kind of growing up in that room to become a, a new thing with the rehearsals. And then they're going to leave very soon, leave the basement for the first time. I know. And they, <laughs> you're going to get empty nest syndrome. <laughs> They um, grow up so fast. They grow up so fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but that's also pretty exciting to, although I guess in a way they've, you know, you've put them out into the world already in one form. So now you've got these kind of like alternate, uh, alternate universe twins of them that you're going to be performing live. And that is, in my opinion, the thing that like people come out to shows for. You see a lot of bands playing their stuff exactly, exactly the way it is on the record with every perfect and like that's cool it's impressive but i think it's more fun if there's um especially if what you're saying like maybe one of the parts that was like this programmed thing somebody's playing it or it's some version of it mm-hmm. that's very exciting to watch i like that a lot yeah it's it's going to be it's going to be really excited i just realized that it's it's less than a month to go now so it's um i bet it's gonna be super awesome i wish i could be there one of the questions that i usually ask is whether or not you considered live performance when you're if you ever think about it how a song's gonna pop off live when you're writing it um i I imagine from what you just told me that the answer is no but um is there any aspect of that that you have considered i mean lately a little lately a little more so because because now I know that there's going to be, you know, we're doing we're doing the one show now and I am planning to do more shows. I just haven't planned when yet. Like I'm not in a particular rush, but I want to do more shows. So now I I am in that mindset a little more. So whenever I do something, it's not that I would avoid using certain sounds, but I have done songs where kind of all of the sounds that I was using were non playable sounds and i think that if i would do that now like it w- if it would if it would be like such a weird ambient mix of textures and layers that i would think you know that if you're going to do this there will be a lot of sound on the stage and there will be four people standing like this you know <laughs> <laughs> so uh i do think that it is uh, I I do think that it is somewhere in my mind. Charlotte and the mannequins. Yeah, at least at least the the realization that that will be the case. If if if, however, what I'm doing is like sounding like super cool, then it's like okay, well then maybe this is not going to be a live song then, you know. Um, but I do think that my later songs are more playable than my. And I'm talking just about the the last two years now, my earlier songs like two years ago, like just from the from the producing my own things era, so to speak. I do think that the later songs are more playable. I guess do you now that you've done it both ways, um, do you prefer the sort of completely in the box things that are maybe not gonna wind up? being played by a person or do you like thinking about them in that way uh, from the inception of of them being maybe something that you're writing that musicians will play on quote-unquote real instruments versus just just your your own creation that's entirely yours do you have a i don't know any kind of feelings about that one way or the other no i don't think that it matters that much to me in the sense that I really enjoy seeing the songs come to life now and I do feel that especially the songs that were written more with like a band in mind they do get better when a band plays them that is just it is that is just how it is that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy things that don't sound the the thing that I like about them how do I say this amnesiac by radiohead is my favorite record ever does that say enough (laughs) <laughs> it's like it's like I I like these kind of I like these kind of sounds where you don't know because I think the main difference between uh when when I hear a guitar I think about I get the the image of a guitar I get the image of someone playing the guitar I know what a guitar costs I know what it is made of roughly I have I, I, you know, I know the history of people playing the guitar, and there is a lot of things that you um, that you think of when you see a guitar, and it's the same with like drums. Like you have you have this uh, visual with it straight away. I sometimes feel that it's easier to make. I like 
I like sounds where you don't know what the sound is. That's that's I think what I want to say. Like I I like uh, sounds where in your head you will have to think of what image that brings. And I'm not saying that you cannot do that with a guitar or with drums or with any other instrument. I think the 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 challenge for uh, any musician playing any instrument is to make whatever you're doing kind of transcend uh, just playing the instrument or like singing a note and singing it precisely on key you know you want it to you want it to become something more than that and oh my god I'm just I'm just discovering that maybe I'm lazy because I want to skip the part of playing the instrument so well that it transcends the instrument but I want to go straight to like the part where you don't know what the instrument is (laughs) oh my god so uh, yeah, so but that is the reason why I like sounds where you don't know what the sound is. Yeah, and where I discovered uh, that I'm lazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a uh, at the same time, if the listener doesn't know what they're hearing really, yeah, then they're also not going to be judging you for how you made it because they're not going to be like, oh, that's not this per- person didn't spend twenty years learning how to shred on the didgeridoo. That's just a that's just a plug-in. They just poked some notes in in MIDI, and that's that was that. It's it doesn't matter. I mean, I, honestly, I think outside of outside of metal, a lot of people don't really care how the sounds they're hearing were made. I mean, I that thing that you're talking about feeling lazy or or whatever like i feel that judgment constantly because most of the people on my channel and that i interact with a lot are are metalheads and there's this idea of like performance like it like uh i don't know legitimacy it has to be this like thing that you worked super duper hard on but like Mm -hmm. i think the sound that you want to achieve is more important that's why people work so hard at at playing their instrument to get the get the sound so to me that doesn't feel lazy um i mean especially since the alternative doing it like real like i don't i don't know a lot of in the box kinds of sounds synths or plugins or whatever like i think that it's sort of prohibitive in a way to that you could do them outside of the box like i guess it's possible but i well sidestep i went to see arnold olofsson i think his name is he makes a lot of software for spitfire like oh, really yeah. pretty, like really pretty string sections. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw that he was, I saw in the newsletter of uh, Tivoli Freiburg that he was coming to perform there. And I was like, oh, his plugins are amazing. His own music must be great. <laughs> Let's go see his plugins live. <laughs> Let's go see his plugins live. And uh, and he actually did the thing um, where he... Uh, it, it, his story was like he injured his hand at one point so he could basically he's a pianist but he could only play with the one hand so he uh, worked uh, with a friend he worked on this software where he had two of those you know those pianos that play by themselves that they have in airport always yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, he had two of them kind of connected to his grand piano so he would um he would play something simple and then he had like i bet like a a million different kind of sequences that would then send those to those self-playing pianos and they would kind of answer. And I knew that plugin and it sounds great, but I could actually see it on stage with the one grand piano and with like the two pianos. So he can do it. He can do it. I'm not sure if all of those things can can <laughs> be done like that, but that was actually a pretty impressive. Uh, but yeah, I was there like very giddy and excited, like, oh my God, it sounds just like the plugin, which is kind of backwards. <laughs> <but>. <sighs> Yeah. He did it. <laughs> yeah, he did it. It was really cool. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool, though. I, I do really like seeing that kind of stuff in a live scenario. You know, you go to see somebody do something superhuman and wild. I haven't actually seen this, but I've, you know, seen videos of like Robert Fripp doing the like Frippertronics thing and that kind of like weird, wild um, tape loops. I did see, oh, Mission to Burma, this like older hardcore band. Um, mm like punk band and they have a, a, a like a dude off stage somewhere you can't really see it but he's doing these lot this like live looping thing where he has a tape machine and he's like recording things as they happen and looping it and so when the song ends and during during the song too you're hearing like parts of the performance that just happened woven in in this weird interesting musical way I, and you're just like how did how did that happen how is that happening i have no idea very impressive I'm doing that during the upcoming live show. Like I'm doing some live 
looping and it is the most terrifying thing. It is so terrifying. <laughs> it's like if you do the first note, it, like I have one part where it's three 16 bar loops. So imagine if I mess up in the first bar of the six, of the, in the first bar of the first 16 bar loop and it will go on forever and ever and ever. Like it will play for a very long time. So this is the risks that you you got to take. I always I always say that that's uh, that's why the edge from U two is the greatest guitar player ever because if he hits one wrong note you have to hear he has to hear it thirty two times in stereo you know yeah no I that's not true at all I hate U two but um let's <laughs> hypothetically <laughs> I I but that's bought a, rough. I bought right now a new laptop and that. That album is still in my... <laughs> you can't get it out. <laughs> oh, no. They'll never live that one down. Like one time it popped up on accident and I was like, I didn't ask for this. Thanks, but oh, oh well, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I don't, know. I don't know how to follow that up. This whole time you've been sort of trying to find the process, um, thinking about what's, what you're going to do, what, what you like and what you don't. You've, you've sandboxed for two whole years, like, been, been able to explore all of these things. It's, I mean, it's not like you were just experimenting and then we're just like, oh, whatever. Like, you finished and put out things, but each month was kind of like a little, a little trial of trying something new. And, of course, the end products of those are all cohesive, cool, complete songs. They don't feel like experimental throwaways or, or whatever. You've spent a lot of time trying out different processes and different stuff. So now moving forward, is there anything that you feel like you really hit on during this time that you maybe will integrate on a more permanent uh, basis in terms of how you go about it? Or I don't know, even like certain sounds or or something that you feel like uh, you really latched onto? I think that uh, the most important thing that I've learned is actually finishing the songs because if you just sit me down to write then I will come up with new ideas but I will rarely finish an existing idea for fun because I always feel like that first spark of oh this is cool like that is that is the best part and then you kind of build it up in your head and for me there's always a risk that then what I hear in my head is like, yeah, that, that sounds really cool, but I, I'm not sure if I can make that. And then you kind of get like the insecurity monster of maybe I'll just start something new instead. So for me, it was a really good lesson to give myself that I have to finish the song every month. And it doesn't mean that I was happy with every song when I finished it, but I did have this feeling of, there is a song and often, you know, a while after I put it out on Patreon and I would listen back to it, a lot of the things that I was like very insecure about or it was like, mm, I couldn't even remember them so well anymore. And then after a while, I was just vibing to it. and was like, this was actually kind of cool. I don't know what I was like so down about. So for me, it was just really good to give myself that you have to finish a thing every month because I was never going to do that without that kind of internal rule. I did get to a point now where like when I started, I started the whole Patreon out of this kind of necessity because I was no, not out of a necessity, out of a very out of some it was just something that I really wanted to do because like I knew <laughs> I thought that, you know, Delane wasn't going to back down anytime. Like that would always kind of be my main thing. And I, I also knew that I had a lot of song ideas sitting like collecting dust on a hard drive that nothing was going to happen with. And I, I was like, there's not going to be time to do like another big ass side project again. There's not, because I also, back when I did do Phantasma, for example, there were some plans of like doing more with it, but I was kind of always the one who was holding it back because, you know, we had plans and we were touring and uh, there were a lot of things making that uh, very complicated. So I, I didn't want to do something that I would need other people for because I was like, oh, I'm just going to be holding you back. Uh, so I wanted really to do something where I could do it myself, but that means that when I started... I already had 
kind of a big collection, a big pile of songs where I was like, I, I just need to finish these. A lot of them were like, maybe the structure was finished, but it was just very rough or it was like, it was like, a verse and a chorus, but they were they were good enough to make something out of, you know, pr with relatively, well, relatively easily. So there were just a lot of ideas there where I was like, I, I can I can spend a few days on it and I will have a song, you know. But and then in the very beginning, when I did that, <laughs> I had like two plugins, which were like things that I got for free with my mini Akai. And I used those for like almost all of the parts of the entire song because that, those were the sounds That's that I had. had. So, so if you listen to New Mythology, which is like the, the, it's like the first song that got out on the Patreon, that was just like, that was just like the sounds from the free synth thingy that came with that. And it was like, oh, this is so exciting. There's like, it's a song now. Once I kind of got going, like I thought like, oh, I have such such a big pile of song ideas that I I if I if I just work with what I have now, I, I won't even have to write another full song in like in like two, three years, you know? But it turns out that <laughs> once you're working, like uh, a lot of those songs started. A lot of those songs of the pile kind of didn't work for me anymore. You know, either the feeling wasn't there anymore or things that I just thought were really good back then. I didn't think were good anymore. So over time, like right now, for example, I am kind of starting every month with like a completely clean, like I, I am starting from scratch and I am noticing now that the month of time, and now it's also a month in which I'm also planning a live show and like doing a lot of different uh, life things and, you know, taxes. And it's not like I actually have a month to work on the song, even though I have to finish it in a month. That doesn't always mean that I have a month to work on it. And I am noticing now that it is maybe not enough time for what I want to do. In the second year, I had a lot of feelings. Uh, so that worked for the songwriting. So I had a lot of songs where like a big part of the song kind of just came gushing out. And then like I always had to finish it. Like I also always released the song on the same day. So that deadline I put for myself is very, very strict. I just needed to get the song out, you know, and by now I feel like I've taken shortcuts, like I've used like production loops and things like that. And in the end, I was always happy with the songs because it was always like this very raw emotion that just had to get out like one way or another. But when I look back at it now, I feel like for some songs, like I've used too much shortcuts. And those are things where I was like, if I wanted to do that the proper way or what feels proper to me, then I need more time. So that's my challenge for... Whatever I'm doing next is I want to keep the deadline of the monthly thing, but maybe it will just need to be a pre-production or, you know, a first version of the song, because I do feel that I've come to a point where what I can do with a song in a month, now that I know a little bit better how to do things, is not enough, because now I want to put the effort into like I come from a part where I only did the vocals. So if I had like a, a, a vocal that was, you know, that felt really true to me and the rest made the song complete, then I was kind of already happy. But now I feel like all of the parts need to kind of be better on their own. And that is not something that I can do within a month, every month for the rest of my life, probably. <laughs> like that's hard. That's a lot of pressure to put on yourself to do all the parts of everything yeah each of these songs is your baby like they're your thing but like i, I mean i think you'd be forgiven if you uh, outsourced like the drum programming or something to somebody else to make you know what i mean it can also mean outsourcing but also within a month of time like once i have the song and I have the general idea of all of the parts of the song, I'm already at my deadline. So even if I wanted to outsource it, yeah, there's been exactly one instance where I had the time to actually have the actual guitars included. And that was against all odds because I knew from the beginning that this was only going to work if it had. I'm not against outsourcing. Like I don't necessarily have to do all of the things myself. It is just that I am more critical of all of the things. So a lot of the things that I felt like were okay for the way that I'm working now, like you just have to get the song together and, you know, you have to get all of these ingredients and it has to support your idea as long as it supports your idea. And I think that now I, I am probably asking a little bit more from 
whether I do that or somebody else does it, that doesn't really matter to me. But that does need a little bit more time, I think. Yeah, that's a lot. So it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're saying you kind of want to up your game, but you're already sort of at the limit of how much you can do in the time period that you've given yourself. Yeah. That's a tough equation to... To, to navigate, balance out, to navigate. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it is i mean that kind of ambition is what you know is what drives innovation um so i'm interested to see how that will pan out for you because i think it's i think everything you've done so far has been so cool and so unique and now it's like like anything else you hit a point where it's time to level up so um you're going to, of course, have to push yourself, but it's uh, it sounds like a very exciting and stressful time. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I would hope that your patrons would forgive you not putting out, a, maybe taking a, a month off to get the, the, the live thing together. Like, come on, guys. Maybe you drop a live track instead. Be like, <laughs> that, I mean, that, that, the live track is actually a nice, nice idea buy yourself a little bit of time yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good one no i don't think I, honestly i don't think uh, like for the last two songs for example i i'm not even sure or three but they were songs where where it was already kind of the case where i was like i don't know if this is the finished version of the song like it's finished like it is a thing as it is now but if i would put it on a record or if i just had the chance for whatever other reason then i would want to dive back into it and yeah rework certain things yeah well i guess then since we're what we're talking about is the process right the the songwriting process part of the reason that i do this all right <laughs> i mean it's nice uh, when other people watch and listen but I started this so that I could learn about how other people go about writing songs, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. And one thing that I've seen that other people do that blows my pro process right out of the water is just the efficiency of it, the way that they've got everything set up and everything. And I've taken like a little bit from that, you know, a little, little bit here and there, like cool little tricks. But I, I feel like some people can just knock it out while I'm over here agonizing over details and all of that and because I want it to be right like you're describing and like I I think maybe the the sort of long and elaborate question that I asked you that start, kicked off this this bit was like about what you're you know kind of how you'll do it moving forward and it, and it sounds like a lot of it is going to be um, some of the changes you'll have to make will be about the efficiency or the time way that you go about it which actually you being able to put out a song a month at all is a is a feat of efficiency as far as i'm concerned like that's cr that's crazy and you've been doing consistently for two years that's bonkers really but like that's a thing that i don't often get to think about i wouldn't be able to do it if i wanted to give the songs the attention to detail that you are probably giving your songs the attention to detail. Like I sometimes feel like, oh, this is a great preset. And then, you know, you'll have preset too, but you know that someone else might use the exact same preset. And this is kind of something that then you have to, then you have to live with, with those kind of things. And this is something where that's kind of gnawing on me right now, knowing that. Yeah, and I don't know if it, if it matters to a lot of people when they're listening to the songs that there's maybe 10 other people out there who use the same presets, but it's, 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 it's gnawing on me, you know? That is a very, very real struggle. Yeah. What I do to make myself feel better about that is I go, the people who are listening to this don't fucking care or notice. <laughs> But that's but that's what I say to make myself feel better. It isn't necessarily actually better, but but yes, that I feel that I feel the shit out of that. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like those sort of things, and then having the finished, finished, finished version of the song every month is maybe not no longer realistic. Having a version of the song out, yes, but yeah, yeah, maybe maybe yeah. I don't I don't know. This is this is the big. This is the big what's going to happen at this point. I, I don't have the answer to it. You don't have an answer, But that's yeah. kind of... Because I started out just doing the... We're going to overanalyze every piece of this music and then then see if it... You know, and we had... Um, and everyone worked on their parts. And, and then there were also, like, outside arrangers and, and you know, going straight 
full force into the production until everything is perfect. I've been a part of that process. And then now it's just like, just, just, just make the song, get it out, get the feeling out there and just put it out and don't think about, about whether it's perfect, you know? And now I ho I'm hoping to land somewhere in between. I don't know how I do that, but I'm hoping to land somewhere in between. Or, or get to a place where I get to do both. But I think doing both simultaneously would... Mm, um, yeah, that's the question. Yeah. That is, this is exactly the question. Yeah. <laughs> well, it seems you're like you're at a very important crossroads and you've got some, uh, some, some hefty decisions to make. Uh, I, <laughs> I hope I'm not stressing you out right now with this. No, I'm, I'm, I'm like, doing that to myself I'm just super, enough. I'm just <laughs> super curious about it. But really, I, I, I imagine you might be a bit stressed and worried. I'm not worried at all. Because I know that whatever you do is going to be fucking awesome. So far, not a, uh, you know, not a stinker in the bunch. But <laughs> you're feeling the, that artist struggle. You want it to be super awesome. You, you've got, you, you feel obligation to yourself and to your fans. And I think that's what, in the end, is going to make it awesome. Because if, if you weren't stressed out about that a little bit, if you, weren't, if you didn't feel that, that's just you caring a lot about what you do. And, and it shows in everything that you do. So... I am very excited to see where what actually comes out of all this. I mean, like you've already got two complete albums, Tales from Six Feet Under Volume 1 and Volume 2. Volume 2 is out October 7th. And the show of uh, the release party show is at a place that I cannot pronounce, but I'll let you say it on the 23rd of October. At Tivoli Vredenburg in Utrecht. <laughs> One more time. I'm, I'm going to try. Tivoli Vredenburg. Tivoli Vredenburg. In Utrecht. In Utrecht. That was very good. Very dirty Thank you. cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And of course, to uh, be able to hear these songs before everyone else, to get all of the perks of behind the scenes monthly hangouts monthly hangout there's also a lot of these songs that actually never make it to an album so there's exclusive songs as well uh monthly hangouts uh yeah behind the scenes just blog posts things with capital t's <laughs> all of that um on charlotte's patreon which is linked below anything else that you'd like to add about uh what you've got going on that you think the people would like to know the album the show yeah i'm just i'm just really excited i i feel like i have to say that every time but i'm really excited to have the guys on stage with me again like it's uh after two years of kind of being like a hermit in the basement it's just very nice to get out there and and make music together with people again i think i already said that but just in case i need to say it again yeah but uh the record the show and hopefully much more to come awesome well Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and all of the people watching and listening today. Break a leg at the show. Thank you. Tell, tell them all I say hello. Will do. And yeah, we'll uh, hopefully uh, the, the show becomes a, a live extravaganza that will come to LA and then I can see you. That's probably a bit more work than me just uh, buying a plane ticket and coming. <laughs> but I, I, want, I want it to hit that level because uh, I think it's probably going to be pretty awesome. Will you be recording or streaming it for the for the world? I don't We will not be live streaming because it is 20 songs and it's the first time ever that we play them which is already kind of stressful enough as it is. So we may be doing that at one point because I know that not everyone will be making it over to Utrecht. I mean, I I do understand that. It will be a very special show. We'll try to film uh we'll try to film parts of it so we can at least show people some things of what's been going on uh, and have them share in in the festivities and excitement. But no, yeah, no live stream. Also, I have to sell those tickets, you know? Yes, right. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. <laughs> They're like, oh, well, I don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> if it's going to be streamed, why even, why even bother? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, hopefully I'll uh, get to see some clips from that because it sounds like it's going to be a great time. Thank you all for watching so much. Huge thanks to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Remember that you can uh, get a discount of 7% off your first year at the link in the description. And while you're down there, click all the other links to Charlotte's stuff. Charlotte, you're the best. Thank you so much. And uh, I hope to talk to you real soon. Thank you so much. It was lots of fun. 